Shirts Fantasy Football Podcast. I am your host, Kent Wyrock. I am once again joined by Matthew Betts and is just the dynamic duo this evening. And uh hey, we're the brown we're the brown shirts now. I mean I guess according are, to man. Twitter. Yeah. We uh we and, ran a uh, poll on Twitter from our, our pod account. We are at uh Red Shirts FF Pod and we had some votes that came in that we got inspired by the Browns' first victory. And everyone decided that we should be called now the brown shirts instead of the red shirts. So I guess we have a new uh, podcast name. Oh, my God. Was I so excited when Baker Mayfield took that field? I mean, you know, Tyrod Taylor got injured, and that's not very fun. Or I, I don't hope for injury. But Baker Mayfield getting his first career action in the NFL is awesome. He's going to be starting week four. Uh, we're already on week four, so that's crazy. Um but he's getting his first start. He looked good out there last week. I am very excited to watch him play this week. Uh, I don't know about how you feel about him, but I, I think I won the Baker Mayfield bet. You know, uh, <laughs> I don't invalid. remember. I, I was gonna say I don't know if it's voided by Tyrod injury or not, but uh, I, I would understand that if it was. But yeah, no, I, I'll go ahead and cop out to this one here. I was definitely incorrect. Uh, I will definitely give you the win on this bet because it doesn't matter that Tyrod got injured. Obviously, it gave Hugh Jackson an excuse to to make the switch at quarterback. But anyone with two functioning eyes could look at the TV and tell you that Baker Mayfield was a superb player compared to Tyrod Taylor. Um, yeah, man, when he came in, he looked good. He looked aggressive decisive lots of zip on the ball so i think this is a huge step forward for all offensive weapons there in cleveland yeah and uh matt okada cannot be with us tonight i'm sure he would also be uh be excited about josh gordon or excuse me not josh gordon but that's a whole <laughs> oh, other he's, thing he'll be he's he's probably excited, excited about, about josh, gordon, josh gordon but excited about baker mayfield as well even though he thought tyrod was going to start a little bit longer but he's actually at a little uh nfl network get together tonight yeah i don't know if you guys have heard but he he has a new job with the nfl network and uh they're having a little shindig so he's he's out uh campaigning for the the red shirts so <laughs> yeah can, can oh, you believe that he made that choice to go hang out with uh the big wigs of nfl.com and nfl network instead of us can you believe that yeah you know i don't get it because we're definitely way cooler and way more important uh than any of those fools so absolutely no but for real that's that's super cool and we decided to let him let him have the night off we gave him a day off of work so he earned it um yeah well anyway with that being said let's head over into the news i've just been handed an urgent and horrifying news story And I need all of you to stop what you're doing and listen. Well, I think the biggest thing, and we already kind of talked about a little bit, is that Baker Mayfield is now uh, expected to be the starter for the Cleveland Browns starting week four and uh, probably unless he gets hurt through the end of the season. I, uh, I don't see any way that Tyrod comes back to starting for this team. It, I mean, everything looked completely different when Baker was on the field. The team actually 
tried harder. It was noticeable. The crowd went nuts. I don't know if you watched uh, that particular part of the game, but they everyone was loving it, and it's Baker season. I mean, plain and simple. Absolutely. The the crowd in the stadium was, was chanting the name Baker, Baker. So, yeah, I mean, you could definitely tell that uh, the city of Cleveland was ready for this and was, was ready for the change. Um, we already talked about our excitement for him in terms of just seeing him play NFL football, but as far as fantasy, what are your thoughts on this for the Browns in terms of the other playmakers and even playing uh, Baker as a starting quarterback in your roster? What do you think? I am considering starting Baker uh, in a in actually in uh, the Scott Fishbowl, the two quarterback league. Uh, I have Matt Stafford, who I'm starting, and then uh, Derek Carr. So I'm considering benching Carr and playing Baker this week, and uh, they play each other, so that makes everything even a little bit more exciting. Yeah, absolutely. And just to kind of give our listeners the rundown of the upcoming schedule for the Browns, they've got the Raiders this week on the road. They've got the Ravens at home, then they've got the Chargers, and then they've got the Bucks on the road. So uh, a couple of tough matchups in there with the Ravens and the Chargers, but I think for you know that Raiders game this week and the Buccaneers game in a few weeks, certainly there's going to be some streamable matchups coming up, um, and I think that's how I'll probably view him here moving forward as more of a streaming type of option based off of the matchup. Yeah, no, I, I agree. And I think that the receiving options benefit from this. I think a lot of people were expecting David Njoku to kind of break out a little bit uh, because Baker's now starting. And not to mention Antonio Callaway. Uh, he only went on the stat sheet uh, having four receptions for 20 yards, but he had 185 air yards and 10 targets in that game. So there's hidden opportunity that didn't show up uh, in the fantasy score last week that I think Antonio Callaway is, uh, could break out here a little bit. Yeah, I agree with you. There was a lot of deep shots that were taken towards him in the game that they just couldn't connect on. Um, So the stat line, you know, if you just look at the box score and you didn't see the game, it doesn't tell you the whole story. Uh, There will be better weeks ahead for Antonio Callaway for sure. Um, And he's a guy who I actually scooped up off of a couple of waiver wires this week. So I'm excited to see what he does moving forward. 100%. Well, let's move on to the next piece of news here. Uh, we're going to talk about one of the other rookie quarterbacks in the league. Josh Rosen was officially announced as the Cardinals starting quarterback, which actually that makes it every uh, quarterback in round one except for Lamar Jackson is now starting. And that's four rookie quarterbacks. And that's pretty huge, to be honest. I don't think uh, that's happened in recent history. I'd have to go back and check, but I think that's pretty significant. And, yeah, nothing, uh, uh, nothing off the top of my head. I think that that is definitely an outlier in terms of how many rookies are starting and playing um, in the NFL this early in the season. Yeah, and I mean, you know, last week, as unfortunate as it was for me, Josh Allen looked pretty good. Uh, I don't want to talk about that game anymore. We're going to stop right there. But uh, Josh <laughs> Rosen, <laughs> Josh Rosen, uh, he completed the rest of week three. Uh, Sam Bradford left the game. He was benched. He has not been very good this year. Josh Rosen looked all right. I don't think it was anything um extreme there that you could take away but i think heading into this week getting practice as first team reps uh could be intriguing because i think josh rosen is a pretty pro ready type uh rookie quarterback so i think he could step in and help this team yeah they need anything something to get them going because that offense has been anemic um like you mentioned bradford has been playing horribly going into week three he had the lowest passer rating in the nfl Um, We all know what that meant for David Johnson and the offense in general. 
Uh, Larry Fitzgerald was essentially unusable during those first few weeks. So, uh, yeah, it's definitely time for a change there. And I, I hope that this could, does spark a change in the offense. Unfortunately, I'm not sure that it does. Um, we'll just kind of have to wait and see who Rosen goes to in terms of the targets and who his favorite weapon is in that offense. Um, I was going to say. As, as, yeah, as the weeks have gone by, there has not been anyone that's usable. Does this breathe life back into Larry Fitzgerald, in your opinion? I think if there's anything that's going to, I think it it does, and I think it will be Josh Rosen, mostly because when you see a rookie quarterback come in um, and defenses probably are going to be playing in a way that does throw some some stress at him and, and pressure and all that kind of stuff, who's he going to go to? He's going to go to the future Hall of Famer in Larry Fitzgerald uh, on those quick checkdowns. So I think that in PPR formats, for sure, this helps Larry Fitzgerald. Um, if you play in any standard league, then I don't think it changes much for him at all. Yeah, I think Josh Rosen's pretty good in the short to intermediate range. Uh, that's kind of what his college resume was like. So I think that plays into Larry Fitzgerald and maybe Ricky Seals-Jones a little bit. Uh, it's a wait and see on any of those players. And I'm not starting any Cardinal. Uh, boy, even maybe David Johnson. I, I might have to wait and see depending on my options. But uh, hopefully this helps. I, I don't think I can get much worse, to be honest. Yeah, no joke. That's That's definitely the truth. All right, well, let's swing over to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Jameis Winston uh, is officially off his suspension, and now I understand that they don't have to make that uh, roster choice until Friday, so they can kind of wait and see what Fitzpatrick looks like in camp this week, or excuse me, in practice this week, and I think that, you know, for a guy who's thrown three games with 400-plus yards and three-plus three touchdowns, because he just had three this last game, I think. Uh, he did, yeah. Do he you had bench three. him? Is it possible to bench the Fitz magic at this point? I, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, if I'm the Bucks coaching staff and front office, there's no way. I mean, when you look at what they've done over the first three weeks and what he's done for this, those first three weeks, regardless of, of if it's a fluke or not, I mean, you got to ride that wave until it uh, comes crashing down. Um, Jameis Winston hasn't played since last year, so we're not sure what he looks like in practice. Um, yeah, I think you have to ride the hot hand here until um, Fitzpatrick proves otherwise. Yeah, I mean, I think we have a little bit of a history with Fitzpatrick, and that's the only thing that's making me hesitant to think that this continues at the rate it does. You know, we kind of saw a little bit. Uh, the first half of the uh, Monday night game was a little bit rough, uh, throwing those interceptions. So we kind of saw a glimpse of Fitz come back to earth, and then and then just like that, the magic returned, and he <laughs> he went off for another four hundred plus yard day. <laughs> so honestly, I I don't know, and it's 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 an enigma, and. Uh, it, depending on how they feel, uh, feel about Winston and his off-field issues, you know, that could play into this. So uh, just kind of wait and see who's announced as the starter there, I, I guess, is all you can do at this point. Yeah, for sure. And Let the, the beat reporters right now are saying that um, Fitzpatrick is getting more first-team reps than Winston. So I think for week four this week, all indications point to Fitzpatrick as likely being the starter heading into week four. Yeah, and we're, we're talking all about starting quarterbacks today, and it's obviously usually a pretty big deal, but uh, Marcus Mariota was announced to be starting week four. He was out for a couple weeks there, basically, uh, with that nerve issue in his hand, and he wasn't able to grip and throw the football. It sounds like it's lessened to a degree, but I don't think it's completely gone yet. Do you have any insight on, on this nerve issue? Yeah, it's definitely resolving, and it's heading in the right direction, which is great. 
Um, we saw him play this past week in week three, mostly because of the fact that Blaine Gabbert got injured with a concussion. So the, the plan for the Titans for the last two weeks was to have Mariota dress and pretty much only play in a backup emergency role, which that came to fruition last week. Um, the reports out of Tennessee right now are saying that it is resolving. He's kind of starting to get more feeling back. His grip strength is coming back, um, but he's not at 100% yet. So as far as being able to trust Mariota this week, I don't know that I would say I can, uh, based off especially what we saw last week. There was actually some reports coming out from, uh, I don't know how to pronounce the guy's name, Tavon or Tavon Davenport. He's one of the reporters for the Titans saying that Mariota actually initially was having trouble even doing things like picking up like a spoon and like tying his shoe uh, to shoelaces and that kind of thing. So I think that initially we were a little misled with what was going on in terms of how severe that nerve contusion was, which tells me that he might still be a couple of weeks away from being at back to full strength. Yeah, uh, definitely not not grabbing him, not, not rostering him at the moment. Kind of got to wait and see. Same with all of the... Uh, weapons there in Tennessee. Um, Alshon Jeffrey has been cleared for contact. Apparently he has not uh, been announced that he will be starting or playing yet, but you got to imagine if he's been out this long uh, and he's cleared for contact now that he's probably starting. I, I don't know how you feel about that. Yeah, I would say so as well. I mean, we saw this with Carson Wentz. As soon as he was cleared for contact, he was out there in the first week that he was available. So obviously it's a much different injury. Uh, Alshon Jeffries recovering from rotator cuff surgery um, in the off season. So I do expect him to be out there this week with it being his first week back and just us not being able to predict what his snap count is going to be. Um, I think it's a wait and see approach. I'm not playing him at all this week if I have him. Yep. I, uh, I completely agree. Doctor, doctor, give me the news. Now, we have unfortunate news here this week. Jimmy Garoppolo has torn his ACL in his left knee and is out for the season. This is super disappointing. Uh, A lot of people were expecting kind of a big breakout year for him uh, with his 49ers offense. that had a lot of promising weapons around him. And, uh, yeah, it's just it's disappointing. I think that's uh, the bottom line here. Yeah, absolutely. It was... Tough to see, mostly because of the fact that you could see how affected the rest of the team was uh, when he went out. You, you saw him kind of do that classic plant on the leg, go to twist and cut, and the knee just kind of gave out from underneath of him. Um, so, you know, the team reported that that's what they feared. The MRI later only confirmed this, which, you know, no surprise there. So, uh, yeah, he's going to undergo season-ending surgery, and he will be back likely ready for the start of 2019 But in the meantime, the Niners will turn to C.J. Beathard as their starter uh, moving forward. Yeah, um, C.J. Beathard isn't really anyone that makes me feel good about uh, weapons in the 49ers offense. I think he's okay, but he's definitely not good. Uh, This might actually lead to Kittle being useful. Um, I know last year wasn't really a connection for those two, but Kittle was a rookie, and so was Beathard. Um, I think things, you know, are a little bit different. They've been together through camp, uh, but if I had to pick someone from this team that would benefit, I think it might be Kittle. Yeah, and and I don't know that you've heard this, Ken, or not, but I'm sure most people have at this point. Um, he and C.J. Beathard have been college teammates in the past, so there's a chance that they rebuild that rapport and establish that relationship again. So I agree. I think that helps him a little bit. Um, in terms of the running game, 
Actually, I am still pretty intrigued by Matt Breda, who we're going to talk about here in a second, but we saw this last year when Beathard had to had to take over. Um, he actually targeted Carlos Hyde more in the passing game than what, than what Carlos Hyde was getting in terms of targets uh, before Beathard took over. So there's a chance that Breda could come in and take some, some more targets, some more receptions, which is only going to help him um, in PPR format. So I still like Breda moving forward. I, uh, I completely agree. So let's talk about this injury news with him. He had a hyperextended knee. He left the game uh, for a few plays there, and then he came back, and actually I thought he looked pretty dang good after coming back into the game. Now it's understanding, or it's understandable, I should say, that his knee is now you know cold, cooled down, and it's sore, and it's stiff. Uh, so what are, what are, what's the impact of a hyperextended knee? Yeah, for sure. You mentioned it that, you know, initially when the injury happens, it kind of scares you. And I think it scared everyone when they saw it happen. It kind of looked like an ACL. And then he pulled a LaShawn McCoy and was on the ground writhing in pain. And then just all of a sudden, boom, he's back in and rushes 10 times for 90 yards. So uh, in the moment, the adrenaline's going and you can kind of get through it the next day. And then a couple of days leading after that, um, he's definitely dealing with a lot of soreness in the knee and swelling and likely some stiffness as well. So, uh, the training staff is going to work hard to try to alleviate all those things and regain his full mobility and range of motion and have him healthy for uh, week four. There's a good chance that he's going to be limited throughout the week. I anticipate his final decision will be made on Friday. So, um, people who are relying on Breda are going to want to watch those Friday practice reports. Yep, I think uh, it's pretty much all there is to say there. And if he's playing, you play him because he looks really good, like you said. Uh, Evan Ingram has sprained his MCL uh, and is likely out two to four weeks. I can say from experience I've sprained my own MCL. So it's uh, it's definitely tricky to come back from. I mean, it's it's not, uh, not as simple as it sounds. And, and it hurts a lot, and it's really sore, and it's tough to even walk. So, uh, Was that during the, least... uh, the football years? Uh, no, that, no, that was actually because of a hockey accident. So, gotcha, uh, gotcha. yeah, no, it's not, it's not fun, but do you have any, uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's definitely an injury that is difficult to come back from early. Um, the MCL is different than some of the other ligaments of the knee. We refer to these ligaments as either being inside of your joint or outside of your joint. And the MCL is outside of the joint, which means it gets great blood supply, um, which, from a healing perspective is fantastic news because most of the time you don't need surgery for it. It will heal on its own. It's just a matter of time. And so uh, with Ingram here, it's, it's one of those two to four week situations. I tend to hedge on the longer end of that. So I would anticipate more of that three to four week mark, but uh, no Evan Ingram for at least this week and likely next week. Yep. Um, we'll just have to wait and see on him, I guess. But Rex Burkhead has been placed on injured reserve with a neck injury, this bums me out a lot. I mean, he's just he's he seems to be kind of injury prone through this point of his career now. I mean, I was kind of hoping that it was uh, you know just a couple of kind of isolated incidents, but now it's starting to just become something where he just can't escape it, and he didn't do so well in the first couple of weeks there. Uh, Sony Michelle, I think will step into his place and do much better than he was doing. He's already looked better, but. Um, this neck injury. Did you did you hear anything additional about it? No, there really hasn't been. No, there really hasn't been much out there in terms of uh, details regarding the neck injury. Um, oftentimes, with a neck injury, especially in the sport of football, it can be related to 
a disc injury, which in between each of your spinal segments or your vertebra, uh, there is a small kind of cartilaginous disc, which helps to improve the movement of your neck and um, create stability. And so when that's affected, which it was last year with Quincy Enumwa and Pierre Garçon, uh, it can cause nerve-related injuries and nerve damage. So it can be a very serious injury, um, and if not treated properly, it can it can have long-term effects. So uh, we often see these guys go on injured reserve with these neck injuries. So uh, likely the result of something like that, but no specific medical details have been released yet. All right, well, let's let's roll through a couple of quick hitters here. Uh, A.J. Green dealing with a groin injury. Uh, sounds like he didn't practice today or at least in full capacity uh anthony miller dislocated his shoulder last week this is kind of disappointing because i was looking forward to this week as kind of a breakout week for him um but i i I bet he's gonna be out for a while with that what do you what do you think uh not necessarily actually which is surprising because a dislocated shoulder does sound like a very serious injury um essentially when a shoulder is dislocated as long as it gets relocated and there's no significant ligament damage or any sort of labrum injury in the shoulder uh, the player can actually play through it the following week if he does play through it I will likely bet on him wearing some sort of protective sleeve or um, kind of a brace on his shoulder so he could potentially play this week Um, but one thing that we have to keep in mind is that in just one week's time period being able to regain that full overhead motion will probably still be painful and therefore you know catching balls overhead especially with a defender on you is is tough to do so um i agree with you i'm intrigued with him moving forward but i don't know that i can play him this week even if he is out there yeah and then uh let's talk about keenan allen it sounds like he popped up on the injury report with a knee injury and i'm gonna guess it's probably like veteran rest i don't i don't think there's anything crazy going on there yeah nothing that's serious at this point he kind of got banged up on sunday and you saw him kind of limp off the field for i think it was just two plays literally and then came right back in and and looked fine so i agree definitely a veteran maintenance type of day i would expect him to ramp up his practice thursday and friday all right and then uh dalvin cook is questionable for thursday night football i I can tell you, I think he's going to play. I think they're being very cautious with him just to make sure his hamstring uh, is all good. He was sitting the Buffalo game because it was supposed to be uh, an easy win. Uh, apparently, that easy win was for the Bills. But uh, <laughs> yeah, how'd that work out? <laughs> yeah, not so good. Not so good at all. But I, I don't, I don't think there's any issue with uh, Dalvin Cook playing in this game. I am worried about starting him against the Rams, but I think he'll play. So you, you think he will definitely play? Yeah, I do. I really do. Uh, I, I almost kind of like lean the opposite way. Um, and primarily my reason for that is the fact that the training staff in these NFL offenses and, and teams, I should say, is, you know, these are very smart people. Um, this game being played on a Thursday night will give Dalvin Cook even more time to be ready for week five and then the season moving forward. So um, I actually would lean towards him sitting in this game, uh, mostly because of the fact, like I said, they get that extra week plus to be ready for the following game and then the rest of the season. So um, if you are relying on Cook, definitely watch the reports tomorrow because he's likely to be a game-time decision. I'll bet you 20 bucks I can get you gambling before the end of the day. All right, let's move on to the over-under segment. I'll do a little bit of a recap from last week. Uh, I got to tell you, it was a little bit of a rough week for us. we are going over Deshaun Watson, Sony Michelle, Sammy Watkins, O.J. Howard, and then a choice between Diggs and Thielen. 
Uh, I had two correct. Okada had two correct. And Betts, you had one correct. We all nailed the Watson prediction. Uh, he was over that 19.4. He had, I think it was uh, 25 points. Yeah. Uh, Sony went under his projected of 9.1. He had 5.4. I got that one, and you two guys missed it. Sammy Watkins was projected for 10 points even, and he had 16. It was a good day for him. Okada nailed that one, and we both missed it. And then O.J. Howard was projected for 8. We all said under, and he, of course, went over because Fitzpatrick has the Fitz magic. And uh, and then, of course, Thielen's outscored Diggs by a lot. If you started Diggs this last week, you were very, very disappointed, and we all said Diggs was going to outscore Thielen. So, a little bit rough, but through three weeks now, uh, the total score is at nine for me, seven for Okada, and six for Betts. So, it's a tight race. We still have a lot of uh, weeks left to go, and uh, this is going to be another week right here where we have a potential to continue this going and get some more scores. So, for this week's over-under segment, we're going to do... Uh, it- in honor of the Browns, we're going to talk about some Browns and former Browns players uh, and go with their projected scores. Of course, the QB is going to be Baker Mayfield. His projected score on Yahoo is 14.7 for this week. He is playing against the Oakland Raiders. Do you believe Baker will be over or under 14.7? Oh, I'm going over by a mile. I think that that 14.7 um, is easy, to be honest with you, mostly because of the fact that we know what Mayfield can do with his legs. So even if he doesn't have a great day uh, through the air passing, he can definitely pad those stats on the ground. I'm going to go over here against the 0-3 Oakland Raiders. Yeah, I'm going to say the same thing. I, You know, he threw for, you know, a little over 200 yards and a little over a half. So I think that he can beat that. I think he can go probably 260-plus yards and a, and a couple of touchdowns, probably an interception just because it's his first game. But... Uh, I don't think it's going to be hard for him to get to 14.7. I think he'll clear that mark considerably. On to the running back position, we're going to talk about Carlos Hyde, who had himself a week last week. He is now projected for 13.3 this week, going again against the Oakland Raiders. Do you believe Carlos Hyde will be over or under? i got to stay in the flames, man. I'm going to go over on Carlos Hyde. Uh, the Raiders are horrible against the running back position in fantasy. Through the first three weeks, they are 25th um, at giving up points to the running back position. So I'm going to stay in the flames. Carlos Hyde has looked excellent. Um, I'm going to roll with him this week and go over. Man, and he really burned me last week on my sit of the week. So uh, in spite of that, I, I think I'm going to go ahead and continue saying he's going to be under. So I'm going to go opposite of you. I think he's going to score under 13.3. Uh, against the Raiders, even though uh, the the Raiders are bad against the running back. I think Baker is going to take charge of this game and throw it more. On to the wide receiver position. We're going to talk about an ex-Brown. Uh, now this one, I, I kind of decided to leave it out here, and uh, it's Josh Gordon for the Patriots, former Brown, obviously. Uh, if he plays, this one will count. If he does not play, it will not count. So Josh Gordon is projected for 8.2 points in his first game as a Patriot. Do you believe he will be over or under? And he's playing against the Dolphins. I'm going to go ahead and take the under because I know Okada will take the over, so I'm going to get a chance here to to grab a point on him. 
Um, no, but in all seriousness, I, I do think that this is a risky play this week. So uh, we're still not sure what his usage is going to be in that offense and if he's, like you said, even going to play. Um, and yeah, even even with the Patriots being the Patriots, they have not looked good offensively. So I am concerned about him moving forward. I'm going to go under. Uh, if he plays, I'm taking the over, and which obviously I'd take the under if he didn't play. But I think he's going to uh, get used right away because the receiving core there has been pretty lackluster. I mean, Chris Hogan's been okay, but kind of up and down. Tom Brady, uh, when's the last time he's had a losing record? He's 1-2 and two right now. He, Tom Brady is pissed, and I think he's going to start like getting real serious real quick. Normally he doesn't have to really try until postseason. Well, he's not going to glide along this year. He's going to have to earn it. Uh, and I think that starts week four. So I think that translates to Josh Gordon getting used frequently. Let's move on down to the tight end position. We're going to talk about the Browns tight end, David Njoku, projected at 7.7. Uh, do you believe that'll be an over or an under? I'm going to go over on Njoku. Um, he has disappointed, I think, most fantasy owners to this point, mostly because he had some hype coming in. Um, but like we talked about already, Baker Mayfield certainly elevates this offense, um, and it's an excellent matchup. Oakland, like we talked about, not good against the running back. They're also not good against the tight end. They're 20th so far this season against uh, the tight end in terms of fantasy points. So I'm going to go over on this one. I think he finds the end zone. Yeah, and I think this might be uh, touchdown dependent, you know, uh, but, I, but I'm all in. I think that he's going to be over this score I think that he's probably going to have a touchdown maybe even two uh, we kind of saw him show out a little bit in preseason I'm looking forward to see that Baker to Njoku connection uh, in the regular season so I'm going to say over moving on to the flex we're going to go with another former Brown now uh, New York Jet Isaiah Crowell he uh, has had a couple of big weeks and one down weeks so he's projected for 8.6 this week and uh, I forget who they are playing off the top of my head. They're playing Jacksonville. Jacksonville. So uh, 8.6 against Jacksonville, over or under? Yeah, I'm going to go ahead and just let our listeners know he is one of my sits of the week, so I'm definitely taking the under, and I'll explain why I'm taking the under uh, in a few minutes. I love it, the teaser. All right, well, um, yeah, I'm going to say under as well. Even though he had... Uh, the two touchdowns last week, he only rushed for like 38 yards or 40 yards. It was something really low. Uh, he doesn't get a whole bunch of volume, and so those weeks are going to be very touchdown reliant, and I don't think the Jets are quite to that point where I can say he has a good chance of getting a touchdown as long as Powell is there as well. So I'm going to take the under. Drivers, start your engines! It's time to talk about our starts of the week. We're going to start over with Betts here, and he's going to give us uh, his first guy that he thinks is uh, primed to pop off in week four. Who do you feel? Yeah, we're uh, we're getting a little bonus start, each of us, this this week, you and I, since Okada is not with us, so we'll, we'll get a little more time for us to, to talk here. My first start of the week is going to be Lamar Miller. Um, the reason that I'm playing Lamar Miller this week is because the Colts' defense, which is who they're playing this week, uh, is a very juicy matchup. They've allowed a running back to put up at least 90 total yards or a touchdown in every single game this season. Um, I think that Deshaun Watson is, is starting to come into his own. 
Will Fuller back in the lineup certainly elevates that offense and gets them down the field quickly. Um, so I would agree that Lamar Miller will likely join the other running backs that they face this year, go over to 90 total yards, and possibly find the end zone. Um, and listen, in, in terms of his floor, I think it's very safe this week. The Colts have given up a total of 28 receptions to the running back position um, so far this year. So if you play in any sort of PPR format, there's a very safe floor for Lamar Miller coming out of the backfield and passing some catches. So I like Lamar Miller this week, and I'm definitely comfortable starting him as my RB2. I, I like it. I mean, a lot of people kind of were expecting Dante Foreman to take over when he, well, if he hadn't been on uh, the pup and then the IR. So uh, when he does come off, people were still kind of expecting him to take over. But I think Lamar Miller's been pretty dang solid this year, especially considering their O-line is, is not so good. So... Uh, I like it as a start of the week this week. Yeah, he's definitely done enough, I think, at least to have a few weeks when Foreman does get back, which we haven't really heard much about that situation as Foreman's coming back from the torn Achilles. So, um, yeah, I mean, I think Miller's done enough to keep that job moving forward here. I'm not worried about Dante Foreman. And if someone in your league is worried about that, go trade for Lamar Miller. 100% agree. Let's uh, swing over to my first start of the week. I want to talk about Andy Dalton, uh, the redhead himself. I think he's primed to not only go off this week, but for the next couple weeks. I think he's set up for a couple of good games. He's got the Falcons this week. Next week, he's playing against the Dolphins, which is actually a little bit tougher than you would think. Uh, But then after that's the Steelers, who have just been atrocious. So for this week in particular, he's playing the Falcons, who are currently fourth and giving up points to the quarterback position. They've allowed over 800 yards, six passing touchdowns uh not to mention they're uh have allowed some rushing uh touchdowns as well two of them so far this year dalton's not one to normally rush for touchdowns but he might sneak one in if they're close on the line but uh the way this offense has been looking with aj green tyler boyd uh even john ross has been contributing here and there i think that uh everything's looking good on the Bengals offense also considering joe mixon could be back this week and that's another pass catching option for dalton as well so the Atlanta Falcons have lost several key defensive players over the last few weeks. Uh, they were already kind of rough coming into the season, and now they are certainly one of the easier defenses to play against as far as passing and coverage goes. So Andy Dalton primed for a big week here. I uh, I think I even dropped Fitzpatrick in one league to pick him up, and I know that sounds crazy, but uh, I'm I'm excited for Dalton this week. Yeah, you talked about it. The matchups coming up are excellent. And I actually almost made Tyler Boyd one of my starts of the week for most of the same reasons that you presented there. Um, That Falcons defense is just getting absolutely destroyed with injuries. They've lost both their starting safeties and Deion Jones, one of their starting linebackers. So uh, the Falcons, we've seen them just kind of get lit up week after week here early in the season. Um, I love it, man. I actually am playing him over Andrew Luck in a league. So I'm I'm taking the ride here with you with, uh, with Andy Dalton the uh red rifle so let's go on to your second start of the week who you got yeah my start of the week uh the second one i guess uh start of the week is mostly the result of evan ingram going down with that mcl injury it is sterling shepherd i think that if you play in any ppr type of format and, and honestly even if you don't he's a very strong play this week with evan ingram leaving the lineup we know that there's going to be a, a large volume of targets that are you know, distributed amongst the rest of the pass catchers. Rhett Ellison is going to step up and be the backup tight end for uh, for the Giants here with Evan Ingram out. 
that name should not scare you and should not make you think that there's going to be any targets taken away from Odell Beckham or Sterling Shepard. So the volume's going to be there. And they're playing against the Saints, which, as we know, the offense in New Orleans is just absolutely humming right now. Um, and what they're doing is is incredible. So I anticipate that the Giants will have to throw the ball a lot, especially in the second half, to keep up. Um, and that means good things for all pass catchers there uh, wearing blue in New York. Yeah, I mean, what happened to the Saints' defense? Last year they looked really strong and they were super young, so I was expecting them to even expand further. But so far this year they have been just bleeding points to the passing game. They've allowed over 800 yards and nine touchdowns already through the air. That is insane. Yeah, it's it's been crazy. I don't think anyone out there honestly predicted this. I think most people would have pegged uh, the Saints' defense as a top what six seven defense in fantasy heading to the season oh, so they were my they were my like last round target defense i yeah. drafted them all over the place and that first week they were like minus six or eight or whatever it was that was so disappointing i dropped them immediately yeah and one other kind of inter- interesting stat nugget here too for the saints defense they've allowed seven receivers so far on the year which is kind of shocking to put up more than 90 yards receiving so uh, I think wow. a big day is definitely in store for Sterling Shepard, as well as Oda Beckham, obviously. No kidding. Well, let's move on to my uh, second start of the week. I'm going to start Trey Burton. I think that uh, so far people have been a little bit disappointed with him. Uh, they think that you know he was expected to kind of be in this huge uh, Matt Nagy uh, moving around the offense tight end, uh, and he kind of has been. He just hasn't really come to fruition with uh, the targets that he's been receiving. You know, in week one, he had six targets, but only one reception. That was really disappointing start to the year. Uh, and then since then, he's had four and five targets, getting four catches apiece for kind of low yardage amounts and just the one touchdown. But uh, they're going against the Buccaneers. And I think if we've seen anything so far this year, it's kind of similar to the Saints in the fact that the Buccaneers are going to put up points uh, and their passing defense is also atrocious. So uh Mitch Trubisky's looking to get on track here he's had kind of a slow start and uh the Browns or excuse me the Bears organization I know we're the Brown shirts but we got to stop talking about the Browns the Bears organization is looking for Trubisky to step forward a little bit and I think that uh Trey Burton is a guy who can help with that and I think that he's in a good spot this year uh so far you know as far as opportunity goes and it the the big games will come honestly I think they're coming yeah honestly this lack of production is in no way shape or form Trey Burton's fault if you watch the game tape and you you know you watch the games even live you can see sometimes uh he's wide open and for whatever reason um Mr. Trubisky just is not looking his way so I think that that's going to come for sure in the weeks moving forward you know the, these guys go through a ton of film breakdown and a ton of film study and so if they point that out to him and he sees that I think that he can definitely grow on this um, and listen, he's he's still super young. This is only his second year in the league, so I think bigger things are ahead for Mitch Trubisky. Um, I still like Trey Burton. I think I'm a little less bullish on him this week in terms of a start of the week. I'm a little worried about it, uh, but from a long-term perspective, moving forward, I do still like Trey Burton a lot. So if you can get him on the cheap, he's another guy that I would try to ter- try to trade for. Uh, I think the fact of the matter is that the tight end landscape right now is just desolate. And- oh, it's disgusting. If if you Terrible. own Trey Burton, I don't think there's anyone you can really go pick up. Maybe like a Vance McDonald if you're lucky. Uh, but I think beyond that, there's really not much. So 
you're kind of stuck starting them. So this is really more of a hype session for you Trey Burton owners out there uh, who just want to feel good. So Yeah, I got um, this. I got this. Yeah, you got this. I think he'll be okay. Um, if he keeps you know, getting around six targets a game, I think he'll be all right. Why do you do this to me? I'm benching you, Lewis. Not nobody hang the word out of you. Sit down. All right, let's swing over to our sits of the week. These are guys that we're not so excited about uh, going into week four here. Uh, we'll, we'll start with bets again. Go ahead and give me... Your start of the week, or excuse me, your sit of the week. Yes, I am definitely not starting this player. Uh, we, <laughs> we kind of already talked about it a little bit earlier, and it's Isaiah Crowell. Um, Kent, you mentioned earlier on that he's so touchdown dependent, so if he doesn't get into that end zone, your week is absolutely ruined by starting Isaiah Crowell. Um, last week, he put up two touchdowns. So when you look at his score in fantasy and you scroll through your points for the week, it looks fantastic. But like you mentioned, um, he only had, I think it was 34 rushing yards on the ground. So if he doesn't get into the end zone, that's literally 3.4 points for your fantasy team. Um, this week, he gets Jacksonville, who's given up the second fewest points to the running back position thus far. Uh, it's a tough matchup. And we know that you know it figures to be a script where Jacksonville is going to be uh, leading in this game. And so I think you're going to see a little bit more of Blau Pal than Isaiah Crowell. Uh, for this week, I definitely am going to avoid Crow. Um, and keep him on my bench yeah I'm with you I mean we kind of talked about it earlier he had 34 rushing yards uh he had a handful of catches but really that's not anything to bank on and uh you know last two weeks he was under three yards of carry both weeks it's it's not looking good for him and uh you know he might get those touchdown opportunities but it's not bankable I mean that's the only problem yeah I just don't think in addition to that I mean Sam Darnold going against that Jacksonville defense um, I don't know how they're going to be able to establish any sort of rhythm and get the ball moving down the field. So um, I unfortunately am out on honestly all Jets uh, this week. Yeah, yeah. I bet I bet that Crowell has eight or less rushing attempts this this week. I wouldn't be surprised one bit. Yeah, for sure. All right. Well, I'll give you my first sit of the week, uh, and actually, it's Tom Brady. And I know I kind of talked about Josh Gordon. Earlier. I love it. Yeah, but Tom Brady. <sighs> you got to sit them down until until you see it and they're going against a tough matchup in the dolphins uh, who are 3 and 0 can i just bring this up real quick the dolphins are 3 and 0 Tannehill looks good that defense is good even though we thought it was just decimated from last year um what happened with the dolphins that we all missed dude i don't know what's happening this is a weird weird year in the nfl the browns are winning the Dolphins are good. The Patriots have a losing record. I mean, what is going on? It's a crazy year. It's it's super fun, to be perfectly honest. It has been um, a great year to watch football so far. But I tell you what, Minka Fitzpatrick for the Dolphins, that rookie, uh, he looks really strong in the secondary. He's made some awesome plays so far. Uh, and their team all around in the defensive end of the zone looks really strong. So... I'm sitting down Tom Brady. I mean, he threw for 133 yards last week against the Lions. So, uh, you know, he might bounce back. But, you know, if, you know, with Rex going out, Josh Gordon still on the hammy issue. It, Chris Hogan's his top guy, and he's been kind of disappointed. No Edelman back. Yeah, I'm going to sit him down. I don't want to play him against the Dolphins right now. And uh, if you're finding someone else, Boy, I don't think you'd drop him, but I'd be I'd be close to it. I don't how do you feel about that? 
Yeah, I mean, I think it's I think it's one of those things that you drafted Tom Brady to be your plug and play starter without even thinking about it, set it and forget it type of quarterback, which um, was a smart move, honestly. But we just haven't seen it. I think that I'm still willing to roll him out there in this matchup, like you kind of talked about earlier. He's mad Tom Brady, and we've seen what mad Tom Brady does to defenses. Um, this team knows that they need to win this game. And quite honestly, I think people are not talking about it as much as they should be. This is huge in terms of the divisional standings. The Dolphins are sitting there at 3-0, and and the Patriots are 1-2. and So a uh, huge game in terms of divisional standings. I like Tom Brady in those high-pressure situations. So I think I'm still comfortable rolling him out there. Um, but certainly, if you've got another player on on waivers that you can play over him that you're more excited about i won't blame you for it um for example maybe uh mr andy dalton i have a little bit of breaking news actually so i want to before we get to our other two sits of the week uh it's not really a huge piece of news but i figure i'll bring it up just because we're on the pod right now uh it is reported that wide receiver richard matthews is going to move on from the titans uh, and ask for his release so uh, we're talking about that that Titans offense with Marcus Mariota coming back. He was kind of a big piece of it last year. Uh, kind of interesting that he's moving on. Uh, there, there's probably a story behind this. I'll have to look into it a little bit more. But, yeah, definitely weird timing. Yeah, super strange, especially you know midway through the season. Did they say in the report, is it related to injury or is it just a personal reason? Um, what Adam Schefter tweeted was that he told uh, – a different news source, uh, A to Z Sports, uh, that he asked the Titans for his release and he's planning to move on. So uh, unless I look into this a little bit more, uh, that's what I have. So I don't know. We'll probably get a a few more details soon. Yeah. Is that our first ever breaking news segment on the pod? I know. Yeah. And actually, I I need a soundbite for this because I was not ready uh, for any news to break while we're recording at 8 o'clock on a uh, Wednesday night. So... Uh, kind of interesting, but we'll, we'll get we'll, one we'll keep... for uh, for next week and, and all the weeks moving forward. Exactly. Yeah, we got to have one ready for that. But let's move on to our other two sits of the week. Uh, I'm going to swing it back over to you uh, after I told you I'm going to sit down with Tom Brady. Yeah, I think uh, my sit here is probably a little less spicy than uh, than Kent's, but I'm going to go ahead and sit down JHI this week. Um, the main reason that I'm going to sit him down is actually not even necessarily because of his injury. It's because of the fact that, myself included, I think that I was very optimistic about the Eagles' offense being what they were last year and also being a team that would commit to a lead back and give him the ball, and we just have not seen that happen through three weeks. Granted, it's been a little bit of a kind of a mixed bag there for the offense. You know, Carson Wentz was out for the first two weeks, and then you had Nick Foles not playing well. Um, You also had the running backs in general um, also not playing great, and, and J.J. kind of banged up with injury early on. So we've seen uh, Doug Peterson, the head coach, just not commit to one guy and not be able to establish the run game the way that they have in the past. Um, combine that with the fact that Ajay is coming off of a back injury that we really don't know much about, and I just can't trust him this week, even if he is started and, and is you know active this week. Uh, he does play the Titans, so the matchup on paper probably doesn't scare you, but I was actually surprised to look this up and find out that they have not yet allowed a running back uh, to score this season. So uh, yep. they've been a little bit more stingy against the run than you might think. So I'm going to sit Ajaya this week and try to look elsewhere if I have a better option. Yeah, the Titans actually have a pretty strong uh, defensive line in front seven, so I, I'm 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 not too shocked by it, uh, but that it still is a pretty cool stat. So uh, I agree with this. I think that 
people were hoping he'd get more of the workload this year and the injuries have been nagging him and it's it's kind of frustrating but uh yeah I don't know I don't have anything else to say about that one yeah he did not practice today which is Wednesday so um we'll have to wait and see kind of what happens here on Thursday and Friday uh and if he obviously is injured and not playing then this start of or excuse me sit of the week is going to look uh just brilliant yeah I'm gonna I'm gonna move on to my other sit of the week here, uh, and I'm gonna sit down Marvin Jones. He's going against the Cowboys defense, and I know that he's kind of like seen as the number one wide receiver on the Lions. Although there really is no number one wide receiver, but he's been pretty rough this year. He only has a 52% catch rate. Uh, and he's going against Byron Jones, who is actually a really good cornerback. Uh, he's only allowed seven receptions so far on the season on 16 targets uh, and no touchdowns. So I, I, I don't think this is going to be a spot where Marvin Jones excels. I think with Kenny Do- excuse me, Kenny Galladay expanding his role and playing out of his mind uh, and Golden Tate playing strong in the slot, there's just no reason to use Marvin Jones unless he's wide open. So... Uh, you know, that passing attack is really strong, and I think that it's going to be solid all year. Uh, but Marvin Jones is starting to look like he's being relegated to the third option on this team. I'm going to sit him down. I would not even consider him for a flex spot this week. Wow, man, you're coming out firing this week. Two yeah. very, uh, I think, debatable sits, but I can definitely hear your argument um, for either side. Uh, I find it surprising, kind of given that your recent article for the Fantasy Footballers came out with the snap percentages here, and I saw that Marvin Jones played 92% of snaps uh, for the offense. So I think that his opportunity is still going to be there for me personally. Um, He was my start of the week last week, which actually paid off. He did find the end zone, which was great. But like you mentioned, too, the, the targets are definitely dwindling a little bit as Kenny Galladay does establish himself more and more in that offense. So I can definitely see it. If you've got you know, a better offense, offensive weapon and, and choice in a receiver, go ahead and start him over Marvin Jones because this is no joke. Kenny Galladay is the real deal, um, and I think it's only a matter of time before he does implement himself as the true wide receiver one in that offense. Uh, from a talent, a talent perspective, I think it's night and day between Galladay and Jones, to be perfectly honest. I think uh, Galladay just looks so clean out there. He's making incredible catches. And while Marvin Jones is solid in his own right, um, He's just he just doesn't have uh, much on Galladay in terms of talent. Yeah, this is a uh, this is kind of a fun thing that I just thought of that we could probably look back on, you know, this time next year and uh, do a little prediction. Where do you think Kenny Galladay is going to go in drafts next season? What round? Ooh man, um, I don't know. First, before I answer, I don't know if Marvin Jones or Golden Tate are both on contract for next year. If one of them is not. I'm going to say Galladay's up in like the fourth round. Uh, and if they're all coming back, I would say that he's probably going to be like a fifth to sixth rounder. That's exactly what I was thinking too, is right around that fifth to sixth round range. Um, yeah, man, this is this is the breakout year. It's coming for him, um, and he's going to be a hot commodity next year for sure. So I like him a lot. Completely agree. Uh, and I think this is probably a better week for him than it is for Jones. So... Let's move on to Flex or Next. 4002. Mr. Burgundy. 4003. Just doing my workout. Oh, it's a deep bird. 
All right, we're going to talk about a couple of guys who have some maybe flex consideration this week. You're kind of going back and forth, not really sure if you want to play him or not or if you want him on your bench. So uh, we're going to go through one by one and tell you if you want to flex him or say next week, bud, maybe next time. So we'll start off with an interesting one here. Uh, Aaron Jones playing at home against the Bills. What are your thoughts? I actually think I am going to go ahead and flex him. Uh, Last week was his first game back from suspension, um, and he only played in 25% of the snaps, so he wasn't really a a focal point of the offense, but he definitely showed it, and if you watched the game, you saw that he was the superior running back on that that team. So uh, I do expect a positive game script for the Packers this week, despite what happened last week against the Vikings. Um, they're playing at home against the Bills, so I like him to be able to come in and um, provide some options this week and on the ground. So I will go ahead and flex him this week. Man, I really want to flex him because I think he's the better running back. However, I don't think they're ready to give him a strong enough workload to pay off. So I think I'm going to say next only because I want to wait one more week before uh, I have confidence in him. And he looked good pass blocking too, so... I think that's important and could increase his snaps pretty quickly. Yeah, if there was one thing that you could say negatively about Aaron Jones, it definitely was the pass blocking. So if he is improving in that realm, that will definitely cause him to supplant Jamal Williams sooner than later. Yep. So let's go on to Calvin Ridley playing at home against the Bengals. Had a huge three-touchdown week. Uh, we talked about him a little bit on the waiver show, going against a little bit of a tougher matchup here in the Bengals. Are you going to flex him? Are you ready to throw him out there? I don't think I am. I'm going to say next. I want to see what happens here for another week or two. Um, I think that it's very easy to get caught up in these players who come out and have these huge performances for three touchdowns, but uh, it's not realistic to expect anything like that again this week. So I'm going to go ahead and next him and see what happens here uh, in terms of his target share in the offense moving forward. Yeah, Bengals are in the top third tier, uh, uh, being one of the stiffer defenses against wide receivers. And so I think that Ridley's going to run into a little bit of strife here, and I don't think it's going to work out for him. So I'm going to say next as well. Uh, I'd probably even try and trade him, if I'm being perfectly honest. If I got him on waivers, he's a trade guy for me. But that's not the point of this segment. So let's move on to Tyler Boyd playing at the Atlanta Falcons. Next or flex? Yes, I absolutely want Tyler Boyd in my lineup this week. Um, you mentioned it with with Andy Dalton. I said that I almost made him my start of the week. So yeah, um, listen, I think it's I think it's the real deal. Back to back touchdowns here in two weeks, nine and seven targets in the last two weeks. So he is getting used. Um, and if AJ Green is banged up at all, this only helps Tyler Boyd. So yes, flex him this week. Yeah, uh, completely agree. I I went back and watched his film on the All-22 for every snap this last week, and he looks so good, man. I mean, he just finds open space on the field, even when the pocket collapses and the play extends uh, and Dalton rolls out of the pocket. Uh, Tyler Boyd's hustling and playing that second uh, that second extension of his routes to try and get open and, and get the ball, and he looked good going out for that touchdown in the corner of the end zone. Uh, yeah, no, I love Tyler Boyd. I think his role is cemented, uh, in this offense and I look forward to him this week and the next couple weeks. All right, let's move on to Bilal Powell playing at the Jacksonville Jaguars. We talked a little bit about, uh, why you're sitting down Isaiah Crowell, but is Powell worth a flex for you? I think in 
12 teams or greater formats, he's a flex. If you need someone to slot in there and give you, you know, six or seven catches and maybe find 60 to 80 total yards on the ground, I think that there is going to be some junk time here that he can pad his stats, you know, in the fourth quarter in PPR formats. So in deeper leagues, I'll flex him in your standard uh, 10-team league or shallower. I am definitely not playing him. All right, and then uh, let's move on to Mike Williams playing at home against the 49ers. Uh, I'm gonna say I'm gonna say flex. I think he's kind of established himself as a solid red zone option for uh, Philip Rivers. And you know, I, I know they brought back Antonio Gates, and people were like, "Oh, he's gonna be only using the red zone like he was before." And uh, no, I think that role's been relegated now to Mike Williams, who that's definitely what he was drafted for, and the Chargers are using him that way, and he's catching the ball, and he's looking really good doing it. So I'll flex Mike Williams. Yeah, I like it. I'm going to flex him too. Like you mentioned, the red zone is where he's, you know, he's making his hay. So uh, I would agree that he's a very intriguing play this week against the Niners. I want him uh, as a flex as well. All right, let's go on to these are these are some tough ones. I, I got to let you know I lined up like five tough questions, so we're going to go real quick through them. Lashawn McCoy, if he plays. He's playing at the Packers. Will you flex him? No. I'm going to next uh, next LaShawn McCoy. I don't care about what happened last week. I think it was a total fluke. Uh, Okada last episode that said his sit of the week is the Bills offense, and I still agree with that, so I'm going to go ahead and say <laughs> next on McCoy. Uh, yeah, I mean, mostly for me it's that, that nagging uh, – what a chest cartilage rib cartilage yep. rib cartilage yep uh he gets smacked one good time i he's out of the game in my opinion so uh i am also going to say next if he plays let's go on to larry fitzgerald with rookie rosen throwing him the ball he's playing at home against the seahawks flex or next i'm gonna go ahead and say next i understand that it's probably difficult to sit him given that you probably took him in the fourth round or third round but uh yeah i'm i'm going after some of these guys on the waiver wire and and honestly um go get tyler boyd and play him over larry fitzgerald this week i want to see it before um, we actually trust larry fitzgerald again with josh rosen under center yeah i uh, i'm in the same boat this is a wait and see situation with the cardinals so i am gonna say next as well let's go on to chris hogan playing at home against the dolphins I want no part of Chris Hogan. Um, listen, this has been a miserable three weeks for him and, and all people that were relying on him to provide potentially wide receiver, you know, one to back end, or sorry, back end wide receiver one to high end wide receiver two numbers. Uh, and now they have Josh Gordon coming into the fold. I'm going to go ahead and next on, on Chris Hogan. You can't play him until he, he proves it again. Yep, I'm in the same boat. Tom Brady's my sit of the week, and uh, Chris Hogan will be the proxy sit of the week there as well. Chris Godwin is playing at the Chicago Big Scary Bears. (laughs) Scary Bears. (laughs) Do you think he's flex-worthy this week? I do. I think that uh, Chris Godwin is going to establish himself as the two in that offense. Uh, He is looking great out there. And he got 10 targets on Monday Night Football. And I understand that that game was a huge shootout. So the the passing statistics are probably a little bit skewed. But we already talked about Ryan Fitzpatrick. And, and if he's going to keep doing even, you know, 80 to 90% of what he's been doing, I want 
any and all pass catchers in that offense, so I am definitely comfortable flexing Chris Godwin against the Bears. 100% agree. Uh, he looks really good. I think that uh, Deshaun Jackson, I had to stop and think about it. I have to stop and think about it every time. Deshaun Jackson uh, had a couple of big weeks, but he's kind of been moved back to the third role. I think Godwin's the number two here pretty solidly, and uh, they're going to burn him on some plays, and I think Godwin's going to be the guy to do that, so I'll flex him. And last but not least, we're going to talk about Corey Davis, now very topical, uh, playing against the Eagles at home uh, without, you know, Rashard Matthews and with Marcus Mariota. Is this a flex-worthy option now? No, it is definitely not. Uh, I don't think Mariota is 100%, and I think his play proved that last week. Um, And until we see, you know, the quarterback play improve, regardless of if it's Blaine Gabbard or Marcus Mariota, Uh, I want no part of anyone on the Tennessee offense, uh, so I'm going to go ahead and sit Corey Davis this week. Uh, Yeah, I'm going to go the opposite way here. I'm actually going to flex him. I think that, uh, you know, in the first two weeks he had 20 targets, and with Rashard Matthews out of the picture, I think he's starting to lean towards funnel status for me, and you know how much I love those funnel players. So I think that if Marcus is playing and, you know, he was active last week, his hand is probably still weird, but... If they're, if they're starting him, it's got to be good enough to throw football. They've seen him in practice. If he was throwing bad footballs, they would have sat him again. So I'm going to say it's good enough, and I think that uh, Corey Davis is going to be a target hog in this week, so I will flex him. Yeah, and to your point, too, in week one when Mariota was out there before the injury, he was getting peppered left and right with targets. So I absolutely agree. I think better days are ahead uh, for Davis. He's an excellent by-low target in, in terms of a trade. So better days are certainly ahead for the Titans offense and Corey Davis. buy low. Uh, If for some reason he's on the waiver wire, snag him immediately. I mean, seriously, someone's probably disappointed uh, in his production so far. So, We're going to move on to a couple of mailbag questions we got on Twitter here today. You reached out to us either uh, at our official handle at RedshirtsFFPod or I believe Betts, you posted a, a question as well, right? Get some, did, yes. get some answers up. Yeah. So let's go ahead and start off with the first one here. This is from at Jiggity Jer. That's an awesome name. Uh, he said, would you trade James White and Golden Tate for Devontae Adams in a half PPR redraft league? Yeah, that is that is a great handle. I do like that. Uh, Jiggity Jer. I would go ahead and actually make this trade. Yes. I think that Oftentimes, a two-for-one trade strategy for me is one of my favorite ones to do because of the fact that you always get a far superior player in that two-to-one trade. Um, Devontae Adams, we know he's the number one with with Aaron Rodgers, and there's no slowing down for him, even with Rodgers banged up right now. He's still produced um, with a touchdown each week, so I'm going to go ahead and make that trade. I think that uh, Devontae Adams, and I've said it before, I'll say it again, he is a league winner this year. Yeah, speaking of good quarterbacks who are frustrated, I, I don't think that Aaron Rodgers is happy with being 1-1-1 one, one, and one, uh, through three weeks. So uh, I'm, I'm going to guess he comes out mad and playing hard, uh, getting over that loss to Washington last week. And Devontae Adams, like you said, he's the one. Uh, he's the target hog there. So yeah, 100% smash the accept button for me. We're going to go on to at King Hef. Uh, he says, I traded Geronimo Allison, another Packers wide receiver, for Sony Michelle, the rookie running back for the Patriots. What are your thoughts? Yes, 
That is my thoughts. Yes, yep. I, I like it a lot. This trade Absolutely. potentially went down before the Rex Burkhead news broke. So if you um, are making this trade after the news, I don't know that it actually goes through and happens. But yeah, if you can somehow pull this off, definitely do it. Uh, Sony Michelle is going to absolutely see a huge increase in his workload with Rex Burkhead not there. So uh, I would definitely make that move. Uh, don't get me wrong. I think Geronimo Allison is uh, a wide receiver two with wide receiver, or excuse me, wide receiver three with wide receiver two upside. Maybe a couple of wide receiver one weeks sprinkled in just because it's Aaron Rodgers. But uh, running backs are rare commodities compared to wide receivers, and I will take the running back uh, equivalent or better any day of the week. So I think Sony Michelle is much more valuable, especially with the Rex Burkhead injury. So yeah, Sony Michelle, uh, Sony Michelle is a great pickup here. Let's go on to at Corey Staller. Uh, his question is, pick one to start this week in a standard league. This is Nelson Aguilar, Larry Fitzgerald, Geronimo Allison, or Corey Davis. This is interesting because I think the fact that this is a standard league really makes me lean toward one specific player. Um, and that's going to be actually Geronimo Allison over these bigger Ooh. names. I think that he has got the better chance at a touchdown, and in a standard league, honestly, that's what matters. So uh, he's got the best quarterback in the game throwing him the ball, and they do play the Bills, so it's a it's a fantastic matchup from what on paper, which should be a good matchup, I'll say. Uh, so I like Allison to find the end zone this week over the other options there. Actually, I, uh, I'm i a bit surprised by that. I'm going to go with Nelson Aguilar here. I think that uh, with Carson Wentz back in his second game after getting healthy, uh, I think that we're going to be seeing one of those boom weeks that Nelson Aguilar had last year uh, when Carson was healthy. So I'm going to say Nelson Aguilar here. Would you still take Aguilar over the other options if Alshon plays? Actually, uh, I think I'd like it even better because I think if Alshon does play, he's not going to get a full workload right away. Uh, could draw coverage and open up Aguilar even more. Yeah, I like so, that. Yes. I think if, if yep. Alshon plays, he's on a snap uh, snap count for sure. Agreed. Let's move on to the last question we have here today in the mailbag. Uh, this is from at Kevin underscore, underscore Smedley. Uh, and he asks, if Baldwin gets in a few limited practices and plays, do you roll him out over Keelan Cole and Mike Williams? This is a scenario that actually is happening. So Doug Baldwin did get in a little bit of limited work today in practice. So I would anticipate that he will have a chance to play. This week, I'm still not thinking that he will, mostly because of the fact that you know that two to four week timetable for his MCL injury um, is kind of what was given, and this is that two week mark. So it's still a bit early for me. I don't think he's actually going to play. If he does play, I still would not roll him out there over those two options. I like both Keelan Cole and Mike Williams better than Doug Baldwin this week. Yeah, I'm in the same boat. I like Keelan Cole a lot. Uh, I also like Mike Williams. And Baldwin, you know, I don't, I didn't draft him anywhere this year. Uh, I, I'm still kind of worried about what he's going to be uh, until they roll and get hot in the second half of the season, which they always seem to do. So I'm, nah, I'm not starting Baldwin if he plays this week. Well, that wraps up another episode of the Red Shirts Fantasy Football Podcast. We are going back to the Red Shirts. We are no longer the Brown Shirts. That was a one-time fun deal. Just for an hour. I, ha I had to get that intro, that old school, when the Browns were actually good intro. 
was really fun. So yeah, where, where did you find that at? I just started Googling Brown's fight <laughs> songs and uh, it popped up and uh, it was fun. I thought it was pretty cool. So threw it not in gonna there lie, for When you, I came but... on, I had no idea what was happening. <laughs> <laughs> I thought I had like a browser open and like something was playing in the, in the other window. <laughs> oh, <laughs> yeah. You just accidentally left those Brown's fight songs open in your other tab. Hey, I've been known to do it. I love the Browns. <laughs> I do too. I'm excited for Baker, but uh all right, well, thank you for listening to this episode of the podcast. Once again, a reminder to listen to the other podcasts in our TFA family tree. We have Dynasty Life and uh, the DFS Degen Nation show, so go check them out. Go win some money playing DFS. That would be totally awesome. And uh, we hope to hear you again next week. We'll have our waiver episode out on Monday, uh, possibly Tuesday morning, so keep your ears peeled for that. And uh, once again, we are the Red Shirts. Y'all don't really want it like that. Here comes the. Here comes the. Here comes the.